0: Welcome to 10, the 10th Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. In this episode, we are connecting with Gary Phillips, Managing Director, Eastdale Secured. In this episode, we learned that Gary's career journey began working at Deutsche Bank, where he was assigned to an economic group focused on real estate. And so began Gary's residency in New York and his passion for the real estate industry. He attributes some of his success to his personal drive and nurturing long-term relationships. Gary has been exposed to all asset classes, but was able to share his insights into the office category and the challenges that it is facing with consideration to the different classes within the overall office class. Gary provided a glimpse into the current state of the buy and sell market, as well as the new players that are entering the field to take advantage of current opportunities. We discussed the need to continue to create and support thriving business districts in cities, and in particular, the importance of patronizing local businesses. Gary provided some interesting thinking about the new role of HR departments and their connection to creating physical spaces that help to achieve corporate goals. Gary sees the CRE space through an interesting lens, and I look forward to tapping into his expertise again in the future. We're excited to share this podcast with you. So be sure to subscribe to TEN so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. And now I'd like to welcome Gary to the show. I'm really glad you could be with us today. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Likewise. Glad to be here and thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, so I'd love to begin with uh, a little bit about your journey to your current position role. How did you get started in the business?
1: Sure. So a um, little bit of luck. Uh, and. Um, you know, when I first got out of school, of course, 25 years ago, I was in New York and was uh, part of the Deutsche Bank banking program. And they, um, you know, it's a large class and they allocate people as they see fit in the different, uh, different sectors. And I was placed in an economics group that focused on real estate. So I um, uh, always uh, was, you know, my entire professional career was in New York uh, you know, focused on some aspect of commercial real estate, but started in an, e- an economics role.
0: So, so you were simply allocated to a group, and that sets you on your career path.
1: That's right. Yeah, I um, I didn't come out of college thinking I was going to work in real estate. Right. So I wanted to work in finance. I wanted to work in New York, and um, I didn't really have a preference, or even know to have a preference in in any respect. So, lucky me
0: lucky you well you know i hear that sentiment expressed quite often Where both uh, a the fact that they really didn't set out on a path to to end up in commercial real estate but more importantly b, how fortunate uh they feel that they they did land there and 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 for the most part when they do land they stay
2: um well
1: it, it, they either stay or they get weeded out as a certain breed of character uh in our business and uh you either have the chops to hang or you don't
0: Right. Um, In terms of stops along the way, uh, you're obviously at Eastill now, but where did you begin and sort of what stops along the way?
1: Of course, not too many, uh, but um, I was on the principal side for the first 20 years. uh, And uh, first, I was with Deutsche Bank, which eventually became Reef. Uh, That was the first four plus years. And then I moved over to Clarion Partners on the uh, private equity side. Right. Uh and um worked in an acquisitions role primarily there for close to eight years and then um left there to uh start Alleance's uh, North American uh, real estate uh investing platform. Uh and uh was there close to eight years and yeah. um always flirted with the sell side of the business and um but uh, a bit of a, a brand stop and uh you know, I always wanted to if I was going to make this move, East uh, you know, so Coast Secured was the place where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, made the switch roughly four and a half years ago. And it's been a lot of fun since.
0: Tell me a little bit about the, the company, the current, the current role, sort of, uh, uh, you know, what their mission is and, and, and sort of what your day-to-day is.
1: Uh, sure. So, you know, we're um, a real estate investment banking and advisory firm that also does brokerage. Uh, I uh, co-head our uh, New York business. Uh, but we operate as one seamless team internationally. Uh, so I get involved in a lot of our, uh, processes, uh, client management, et cetera, uh, particularly around the country, but sometimes overseas as well, given what my background is. Okay. Right. So my day to day, day to day is, uh, it, it, it's hard to say because it's different every day, but it's, uh, primarily, uh, interacting with investors and clients right. every day. Uh, whether it's in person, whether it's on the phone, whether it's over Zoom like this, uh, preferably in person, because, you know, that's where you, you know, uh, uh, make the, the greatest impact.
0: Right. Well, it'll be through that lens that we're looking forward to getting your insights um, and contributing to this conversation. So I'm looking forward to, to that. Um, and of course, congratulations. The reason we reached out is uh, you were announced as part of the Commercial Observer Power 100 list. Um, Thank you. So, so congrats on that. That's uh, obviously a great success and and a huge yeah. a, an achievement, not to be overlooked.
1: Well, it's um, it's a lot of fun you know, seeing that, but it's a, it's really a, a team achievement. Uh, okay. and, you know, we're we're all uh, you know, part of a, a greater team here, so appreciate everyone that, that you know, helps get us that luck.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, again, you you explained that a little bit of luck had something to do with it, but why do you think in the end? You are so uniquely suited to this opportunity. What has helped you to be successful? Because, as you mentioned earlier, you know some people get weeded out. They might have been, you know, the luck might have been there, but they might not have lost it. So, wh- why you? What's contributed to your success?
1: Um, interesting question because I've never really had to think about it. Um, but it's, you know, it, yeah, it comes down to um, your drive. Uh, you need also, you need to be able to have the financial chops. Mm-hmm. um to cut it uh and then it comes down to relationships and appreciating what that really means and uh creating nurturing uh and um you know really maintaining those long term uh relationships which it's hard to get to um the top of any part of this business uh without it you know everyone says that their their industry is a relationship driven business but real estate Uh, It's it's truly the most important aspect, right? Uh, And um, yeah, so I think uh, you know appreciating that at an early age, um, it certainly helps.
0: I totally get that, and I think uh, you know a great insight for our listeners: the value of creating those relationships, you know, as early on as possible. Um, And I do agree with you that this industry, in particular, um, is very uh, relationship-driven. Um, and, uh, that being said, you know, maybe we need to figure out also ways to sort of open up those, maybe pr- those barriers where not everybody has access to those kinds of connections and, and network and, and how do we give more people opportunities? So, you know, a, a balance I think would be in order.
1: That's right. It's gotta, um, you, you gotta push to, uh, to make those connections and, yeah. um, you know, fortune favors the bold.
0: There you go. Um, I think we can both agree that commercial real estate has just gone through one of the most turbulent. Periods of time that uh, we, I can certainly remember. Um, I've been through a couple, and 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 you know we know the commercial real estate, the largest asset class in the world, um, but it has you know just gone through a period of time with prolonged periods of historically right. low levels of occupancy, and it's now really rethinking itself. It's really trying to figure out how does it meet the needs of people um, going forward? How does it deliver great space and service? Um, we believe that uh, the physical workplace. Is now much, or a physical workspace, sorry, is now much part of a much larger workplace ecosystem. Um, and so we need now to compete with people working from anywhere uh, co working space, a local cafe, vacation destination. Maybe you're, you're going away on vacation. Maybe you'll do a little bit of work while you're out of town. Um, so just interested in your perspective, particularly through your lens, through the buy and sell lens, as to how the industry is responding. To these emerging needs and rethinking itself, what what are you seeing?
1: Well, I'm curious uh, to see. You know, your first comment was that we just emerged from. Uh, <laughs> I think we're still in it. And, okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, you know, and it's um, where you're seeing most of the structural and secular change is really in one asset class uh, within commercial real estate office. Yeah, uh, I I do think that. Um, uh, Primarily, like everything else, multifamily, uh, logistics, even retail, uh, you know, are exhibiting very strong fundamentals and are going through um, changes that really the capital markets-driven with regards mm-hmm. to higher interest rates, the availability, and cost of debt. Um, but investor sentiment uh, and the uh, demographic <laughs> fundamental tailwind are all still there for those sectors. Um office is a completely different animal. Uh and uh well it's the largest asset class, so it's super important. Um it, it is definitely um going through some changes that the other asset classes are not. Uh and um yeah you know, when you when you narrow down <laughs> um when, when you when you narrow it down to um just office it, it actually there's there's different um Asset classes within the asset class, if that's right. uh, you know, if, if that makes sense. Uh, brand new construction, the high end luxury side of the market is definitely flying above the storm clouds. Uh, we're seeing uh, strong leasing activity within that space. Uh, there's still uh, not a sort of vibrant financing market, but there is a financing market, uh, mm-hmm. and the equity capital markets are still there. Uh, Now that's been repriced similar to uh, the rest of the commercial real estate world, Um, but uh, you know it's still liquid to a degree. Right. Um, There are segments of the office market that are likely going to see. I hate to use the word uh, permanent, but there's uh, there there will be equity um, that likely never comes back, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know these are. uh, uh, B and C properties that uh, are not tra- not close to transit, uh, are not um, don't meet the physical characteristics of what tenants want today with regards to light and air core depth, et cetera, right. yep. um, But also aren't necessarily viable for alternative uses. Right. Uh, you know whether that's converting into residential, to life science, to storage, or other. Um, asset classes that are going uh, um, to be more uh, uh, more financeable, uh mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, certainly will serve a need uh, for, for many of these urban markets.
0: You know, I, I agree with you around the B and C um, space, and we do have some B and C buildings using utilizing our platform, our technology in Manhattan. You know, helping to deliver a better experience, helping to digitize the customer experience, and and compete yep. to your point with that flight to quality and and position themselves as as you know, tech, you know technology forward and, and and really trying to to change their game and and in some cases they're fully leased and doing quite well. But to your point, uh, there are a lot of other buildings that likely you know perhaps aren't in desirable locations or aren't in proximity to to transit and 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 then if they and if that conversion opportunity doesn't exist, you know it's sort of well what next for them? Um, so. Yeah.
1: It, yeah, I think that's right. And then you have an entire segment of the market that just has been repriced and um, it's not refinanceable uh, in its current state. So it's going to require fresh equity uh, and a uh, what we're likely to see is a complete market repricing for a large segment.
0: Mm-hmm. So from a, a buy sell sort of activity level, what, what you know, over the last, let's say, 12 months, what kind of trends are you seeing is 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 there more, obviously, is there more or less activity than perhaps 12 months earlier? And sort of in what spaces?
1: Um, So speaking for office, uh, quicker conversations, it's, uh, you know, sales activity are tremendously down. Uh, Depending on the market, uh, you know, it's anywhere from 60 to 80%. Uh, And, you know, that's driven uh, quite a bit by, you know, one investor sentiment, but, uh, you know, two, um uh you know the the lack of uh uh, of a functioning finance market for that asset class um where we have seen buyers uh you know primarily been users which is sometimes very hard to predict but -hmm. also private high net worth who are um not beholden to an investment committee uh or um you know, necessarily running, you know, 100 different sensitivities on, you know, a whole period IR analysis. They're, you know, they're not running a DTS. They're focused on really two main metrics, and that's going to be basis and yield on cost. Right. And they're looking at, you know, they're looking at this as um, New York is, you know, cheap once every, you know, a decade or two. Right. Uh, and this is an opportunity to, um, to acquire real estate that otherwise would not have been available to them. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, that they can hold for you know decades to come. Uh, so in, in some respects, it's just generational opportunity to acquire office uh, product at a, um, in some cases, low land value.
0: Right. Uh, so are you seeing new buyers, new buyer groups emerging? Are you seeing existing companies create no opportunity question. funds? Like who who's sort of at the table
1: right now? It's uh, primarily you know the bid sheets, which are not. Uh, you don't know, have to scroll to the second page. And it's it's um, uh, primarily those uh, private buyers and high networks. We do expect some of the institutions to come back uh, between now and year end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some will be announced pretty soon. Um, and uh, But it's going to be primarily groups that are um, that have mandates to acquire you know, value-add office. It's not going to be necessarily the large U.S. pension funds or um, or Odyssey funds uh, that are coming you know can be roaring back to the market. We think that's probably a few years out. They are all overweight office right now, right? So they're likely to be sellers over the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, We think it's going to be you're going to see some institutional groups return to the market because the the yields and the uh, the BEPS are just going to be too attractive.
0: Right. And do you think in the B and C space that there there are a lot of players just sort of Hanging on, they haven't necessarily started. You know, they haven't promoted the fact that maybe they're looking for potential dispositions. Um, or are you seeing is there more inventory on you know available now, or or is it still relatively low and kind of you're waiting for that storm maybe to hit?
1: Well, there isn't much uh, product on the market right now. I think that every office building is likely for sale, <laughs> right? Um, but not uh, but not necessarily on the market. Um, what we're likely to see. Uh, where we're likely to see deal flow over the next six to 12 months is from uh, one's going to be lender-driven sales activity, whether that's a loan sale, a short sale, Mm -hmm. or uh, a refi that comes up where the existing sponsor isn't looking to put in fresh equity in order to effectuate a refinancing. Uh, So they're uh, going to be forced to sell based on that maturity. right? Um, Or uh you're gonna see some of these um odyssey funds uh large institutional investors that are overweight office um uh, rip the bandaid off uh their internal marks are going to get to a point where they it narrows to um pretty close to where the spot market is where they can justify the sale and redeploy the capital into uh, higher conviction asset classes so right. uh, you know the, the um you know, we we have a you know we have a building on the market right now uh that yeah, you know, exactly that situation. I think we'll see a few more of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the buyers are, you know, when you're, when they're looking at properties, are they looking at, you know, obviously we're, we're very connected to the technology world and we think that technology can be, you know, a tremendous equalizer and helping to, you know, position buildings and and help bring people back and engage people in a completely different way. So are you seeing buyers looking beyond the physical and thinking about, you know, how these buildings are run or what technology may or may not be available to help engage with the tenants? Any conversations around that, you know, as you're moving forward?
1: Um, Is your question more around like the the buildings that are less in favor and how you can retrofit it to... Um, It's an interesting question, not yet. Um, we, uh, you know, the focus has primarily been around, uh, okay, can I buy something in Midtown or near Grand Central? Uh, what it would have sold for 20 years ago. Right. That is, that has been more of the focus, uh, where you have some of, um, uh, you'll probably have some sharp, uh, tech driven investors that will be, that are looking, they're monitoring the market. Mm -hmm. Um, I can think of a few. Um, they haven't pulled the trigger or anything yet, but, um, but that's something that I I wouldn't be surprised to see, you right. know, going forward. But the focus today uh, and in some of the you know from most of the larger institutions is going to be around the physical attributes. Can I attract tenants to the office here, right? Uh, and in my close to transit,
0: right? Um, you know, we think a lot about uh, buildings and their place in neighborhoods and cities, and. I think New York, obviously, is like just a tremendous case in point to this, um, that, you know, we we can't see buildings as just siloed, as independent from the neighbors and cities in which they're, um, in which they serve. And I'm just wondering about your thoughts, sort of the responsibility or the opportunity for, you know, buildings and workplaces, the role that they play in helping to create larger and more connected communities and cities. And, and obviously, bringing back the cities just has so much. So many different financial implications and economic implications.
1: No, no question. It's a sense of place. Uh, and you know, we've, we've been coming to the office since July, 2020. Uh, so we've seen, uh, you know, it's certainly evident flow with regards to, um, you know, the return to work phenomenon. Uh, but, um, you know, it's when, um, when we are back at normalized occupancy, and we're 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 getting closer, we're um, mm-hmm. you know depending on the day, it feels like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the most active days. Uh, Midtown's very busy. It feels like it. feels like it. It, like it, um, it did pre-pandemic. Uh, it's hard to get a reservation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know for the fast uh, you know lunch spots, the lines are at the door. Yep. Uh, and then when you're walking up and down Park Avenue or Madison or Fifth or Sixth you know, you're running into uh you know several people um you know on the way to a meeting so it's um you're uh, in many respects it feels like it's back uh now you ask the uh you ask the retailers and in the and the restaurants they may say a different story but it's just from a um a feel on the street and a vibe and energy level uh you know that I would say the city center you know feels like uh we're back to, to the pre and that's super important um you want um, we don't want people coming to work and feeling like they're the only people coming back to work, and that it's a ghost town. Uh, we want the uh, the amenities to thrive. We want the small businesses to thrive. Frankly, we don't not just want them, we need them to. Uh, and that's really the importance of bringing people back to um, to the office on a more regular basis. I don't just three days is going to cut it. Uh, you know, we, we need these um, the small businesses and entrepreneurs and restaurateurs to uh, to thrive in this environment. And the only way to do that is to have a thriving business sector as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I was in New York just a couple of weeks ago, and I'll have to agree with you that uh, Midtown was was packed, busy, uh, thriving, energizing. Yeah. It was um, you know hard to walk on the sidewalk. People lined oh. up at every corner out of a restaurant. So I agree.
1: And, and it's night and day from some of the other major urban markets uh, you know, around the country. Right. Uh, and um, so we're, we're we always like being the flag uh, you know, mm. flag bearer uh, here in, uh, in Gotham, and uh, you know <laughs> we're, we're happy that we're um, hopefully at least leading charge on uh, you know returning home normalcy. We'll
0: yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's take a short commercial break, Gary, and we'll be right back. Sure. Thanks.
2: This episode of 10 is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a rapid deployment workplace engagement platform for the hybrid world that enables building operators to connect to their tenants, whether they're at work, at home, or anywhere in between. We are in the midst of a seismic shift in the evolution of the workplace. Now more than ever, it's clear that the most important asset of a building is the people. Commercial real estate leaders recognize that tenants and employees want new kinds of spaces, services, and amenities to support having the flexibility to work from anywhere. Workplace engagement solutions that connect hybrid working people to buildings no matter where they are have become a major differentiator as buildings compete to retain current tenants and attract new ones. Hilo empowers building operators to meet this challenge. To learn more about Hilo and schedule a demo, visit hiloapp.com.
0: And now I'd like to welcome back to the show, Gary Phillips, Managing Director, East steel Secured. Uh, Gary, once again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, to we talked a little bit about technology, um, but I'm just curious, you know, we're certainly seeing technology take playing a significant role in reshaping how building operators are delivering great experience uh, for their tenants and, and also impacting operations of their buildings. Um, workplace engagement um, is obviously becoming um, some a, a very important discussion. Um, uppermost in everyone's mind I'm just curious you know as through the lens of buy and sell you know what are you seeing people talking about in terms of recognizing that we need to engage people in a different way if we're if, if the workplace the physical workplace is going to compete and it's going to be a place where people want to be um, mm-hmm. what what are you seeing first of all from a technology perspective perhaps that's contributing to that um, and, uh, and and again just helping to um, position buildings as as the, the place to be?
1: I think much of that technology is going to be centered around the amenities within the building. If you're, you know, strictly speaking from a landlord perspective, obviously tenants are going to have their own, uh, you know, programs uh, within their spaces. Um, but a lot of that's going to be focused on, uh, you know, I think the amenization of, of, of these assets. And some of it's not going to be technology driven. It's just going to be. You know, human nature driven, and that's going to right. be activating outdoor spaces, creating, uh, you know, senses of community within a building. Uh, you know, we've seen some, uh, office landlords, uh, build out amenity floors that almost that uh, feel like a private club, which has right. become a, you know, an increasing trend here in New York and other parts of the world. Uh, so I, I, I think that's going to be a trend that's going to be here to stay and, uh, is not always really going, going anywhere, but it's, um, you know, Companies are, you know, they're viewing their office space as uh, it's become part of the HR budget. And you are, you need to create a place that people want to come to, people want to congregate at. Uh, And, um, and not only for recruitment, but also for, you know, uh, talent retention. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, everyone has a different opinion on this, um, but I, I I believe that um, people are most productive when they're around other people, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so get it. So, employers, uh, finding ways to incentivize their employees without, um, you know, using the tick, uh, you know, having come into the office at a regular rate is, um, I, I think, gonna uh, it sort of provide dividends, uh, you know, going forward.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think those incentives are not only, you know, free lunch and. You know some of those bells and whistles but i think it's you know reimagining space itself and the way in which space now provides value and benefit to their employees mm-hmm. um and i think you know if you can create unique situations and unique opportunities for people they're going to want to be a part of that um no question and i think at
1: the upper end of the market uh it is it it's gonna be less price sensitive too right uh because if you think about it um if you You know, the rent is a a much smaller fraction of uh, a company's budget than their uh, payroll. Right. And if you can create an atmosphere where you're getting more productivity out of that uh, very large uh, expense item Mm -hmm. by incrementally increasing a much smaller, uh, you know, part of the overall pie, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So I think that um, uh, you know, to have the right space, you're going to see. yeah, I, I think you're going to see landlords be able to push rents uh, you know, uh, to limits that they didn't. Uh, you know, that that will exceed their expectations.
0: Right. I, I like your um, sort of drawing the dotted line now between uh, you know bringing HR into the conversation um, and that the physical. I never, I never is...
1: like to bring HR into the conversation. But...
0: <laughs> I, I know, but I think, but I think you're right that, and I think actually HR departments have taken on a whole new value, purpose, and role within companies. It used to be about processing. You know, payroll and 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 providing you know health benefits. Um, I think that the HR role has taken on a much wider you know view and 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 does now connect intrinsically to the space and creating those kinds of opportunities and and using no space as a way to engage their people and and build culture and yep. um and get the best out of them. So it's it's
1: become a vital part of the C suite across the board. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, in some respects, uh, we should all consider ourselves human uh, resource managers. So, um uh, it's, uh, uh, it, it's vital to the success of any company.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. Um, our closing speed round is an opportunity to get to know you, Gary, a little bit better. Um, so when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing?
1: Um, well, I um, love hanging out with my family and my uh, and my dog. Uh, okay. I live in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So we, uh, we enjoy everything that the island has to offer. Uh, go out, uh, eat out a lot. Um and uh love Central Park.
0: Right. Awesome. Um, what is your favorite drink of choice? Hot, cold, alcoholic?
1: Um well, I appreciate a well-made martini. Okay. <laughs> um, when the when the time is right. And then okay. um uh, love wine, collect Great. wine passion.
0: Well my, myself as well, so we can talk about that sometime. Either another episode all about yeah. wine
1: or over, or over a nice bottle.
0: I love that, that's great. Uh, favorite uh, movie or current TV series that you're watching?
1: Um, favorite movie or current TV um, Well, um, I always actually, actually, I like to ask this question to people, is if you're on a deserted island, uh, what three movies do you bring with you? Right. Um, learn a lot about selling when you see their video collection. Um, But uh, The Big Lebowski is probably my favorite movie. I've seen that more than any other movie by a large factor.
0: Right. Okay. Um, Name one way in which technology has improved how you live or work.
1: Uh, What we're doing right now. Yeah. You know, it's um, greater flexibility and optionality. Uh, I'm able to reach, we are able to reach uh, more people um, in a day than we used to. And, um, you know, instead of running around, you know, we're able to you know, have meetings like this, uh, you know, on the regular. So, um, yep. yeah, I think, uh, being able to provide that flexibility, but also being able to harness it, has been, uh, you know, uh, being willing to adapt to it has been super important.
0: Right. I, I agree with you. I like the word optionality from, for me, what I've learned is it's not always, but it's sure it's nice to have.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I think what we learned is that, uh, we um, uh, we can work remotely for a period of time if we have to. Yeah,
0: agreed, agreed. Yeah. And, and going forward, I think that it's nice to have that flexibility. So um, sure. to me, uh, I really and not to, you know, take the middle road for the sake of, of not creating controversy, but um, I really do believe that the, the, the opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, mandating versus, you know, 100% remote, I really don't think, think those are the right Um, Options, And I do think giving people flexibility, and I don't think it's saying you have to come back three days, three days is still being a mandate. But if people find their way back to three days, and sometimes four and sometimes five, and sometimes one, you know, that's all good, in my opinion.
1: Right. Well, the beauty of the three day work week is that you still need the same amount of office space.
0: Right. True enough. True enough. Um, What is your personal choice for days spent in person working with your colleagues versus working from anywhere? Oh, uh,
1: 10 out of 10, uh, in the, you know, in the office working with my colleagues. Right. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not very, um, I'm not good at working at home. I, uh, I'll be distracted too easily, uh, and then you know, run errands, et cetera. Uh, this is, um, uh, much, I'm a thousand times more productive when I'm in the office and surrounded by my teammates, but also, uh, you know, clients.
0: I think that's a great, you know, testament to the fact that it's not one size fits all um, and no we question. should not be prescribing what everyone ought to be doing because it's, you know, there's some people even during the early days of, of COVID that, you know, were very uncomfortable working from home, either, you know, small apartments yep. and, you know, poor, right. poor working conditions and they, they would have done, preferred nothing more than to have come back much sooner. So it is not a one size fits all. And I think that creates a tremendous opportunity for the industry. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where this, this continues to how it continues to evolve. Thank you so much for coming on our program today. I hope that this thank is the first. Thank you for having uh, me. My pleasure. I hope it's the first of many conversations that you and I have. I look forward to my next trip to New York and perhaps getting together for that glass of wine. Love to. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Gary. A lot, David. Take care. Bye now. Bye. I want to thank Gary Phillips for joining me on this episode of Ten and for contributing to the global conversation around buildings being a part of a robust ecosystem helping to build great companies, and that they are vital in the effort to cultivate and support great people and teams. The future of the workplace will likely take many forms, and we will continue to explore what that looks like together. Subscribe to TEN for more conversations with leading CRE industry professionals and experts who all have something to say about tenant experience and the future of the workplace. We love hearing from you, so if you enjoyed this episode of TEN, please share, add your rating, and review us through your preferred podcast provider. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. And until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.